session with Dr. Farid Holakwi. Good afternoon and welcome to In Session. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Dolakwi, and I'll be with you for the next two hours here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, so you can call in with any questions related to clinical psychology, including any emotional or psychological issues, parenting issues, and relationship issues as well. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics or books for the program. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and podcast on iTunes. Again, our studio number, 310-441-0555. A few small announcements before I get started. The first one is the book of the week. Again, I'll mention Everything is Effed, a book about hope by Mark Manson. I read his other book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Blank last year, I think it was. Um, so just started this one, and I'll share that with you on Monday's show. And so that's next week on Monday. But next week on Wednesday, I'll be joined by a psychiatrist and a triple board certified anesthesiologist to talk about the use of ketamine as a treatment for depression and also anxiety, but especially for treatment-resistant depression. So that's when people have tried a few treatments, let's say two or three um, psychiatric medications, typical uh, treatments for depression, and have not gotten results. And so uh, this is a treatment that can be very helpful for them. Ketamine, which is an anesthetic, but it's used in a low dose. And there's been a lot of new research showing that it can be very promising in helping people with depression and other psychiatric disorders. So I'll be joined by them for my Wednesday show next week. Uh, I'll mention that again on Monday and also on my father's show this Friday at four, uh, his afternoon show, 4 to 6 p.m. He'll be joined by those same uh, two doctors, a psychiatrist and a triple board certified anesthesiologist to talk about this same topic, ketamine and the treatment for depression and other mental illnesses in Farsi. My show, of course, uh, as always, will be in English. So looking forward to that show next week. Uh, so to start off today, I wanted to talk about parenting and specifically spanking or hitting children. And thankfully, we're seeing uh, a reduction in how much people do this and the way people look at spanking. But still, it's something that many people do, especially in other countries. Um, here, for example, in the United States, you technically can spank your kids as long as there are some interesting laws like as long as it doesn't leave a mark and as long as it's with an open hand and there's some other laws and rules to determine whether a type of hitting your child is considered child abuse which would then be a reason that you might have to lose your kids if you are abusing your children um, but so technically to spank your child would be illegal but definitely does not make it right uh, and that's what i wanted to talk about today i was actually really shocked in reading an article i saw a link to another article that showed that spanking kids in schools is still actually happening in some places. Um, there was one school that was talking about in North Carolina, but also I think it was Alabama, Mississippi, a few other states where they would spank kids using things like a paddle 
and hitting them across the butt, I believe. And this is still happening in schools today. I, I did not know that. I thought that what they call corporal punishment was no longer happening in the United States, but apparently it still does even to this day. Uh, and they talked about it, how um, they would have to get permission from the parents and that the child would have to accept to get this spanking instead of doing something like detention where they have to stay extra or miss class to be punished. Um, and some kids chose this route of being spanked. And I, I was really shocked by that. And I think it's horrible. And uh, some of the psychologists in that article or people who were advocating against it were saying that to have the schools, which are part of the state, the government, hitting our children is just something unbelievable to me. I can't believe that that is actually happening. Um, and so, um, yeah, that, that's something that I was kind of surprised about to see that it's happening in the United States. But the American um, Associa Association of Pediatrics is basically saying in the title of this article is that uh, you should never spank your children, that we should never be hitting them um, because there is no reason to ever do that. And it can cause deficits or issues, things related to decline in um, vocabulary, problems in learning and memory, and even creating more aggressive behavior. So there are these negative consequences that we can see that are created. And these are just things that we can test in that way. But for me, it's also the uh, damage it does to your child in other psychological ways. Some of them maybe they can measure with things like anger and aggression, but even in feelings of trust, which could relate to how they are going to act with people. Um, but when you as a parent are physically harming your child, we have to think about the consequences that's going to have for them long term. And so the example I sometimes use is, uh, is related to how people will say, well, you know what? Spanking works. That's why we do it. It works. And sometimes their definition of works is that it gets the child to do what they want in the short term. So I use the analogy or the example of you can have two kids and with one child, the parents tell them, they both have a test the next day, that if you work really hard and study really well, you'll get an A and we'll give you a reward tomorrow. And we're, they show them how important that reading is and learning is and how good it is and it's all done in this form of love. On the other side, you can discipline with fear, saying that you're going to have to get an A on this test. If you don't, when you come home, you're going to get a beating. We're going to hit you really hard and bad. And the kid believes it, unfortunately, because they've gotten it before. And so they know that that's a real threat. And so both kids might come home and get an A. And so the parent who threatened violence might say, you see, it worked. I got the result of an A. But it's we have to look at the whole picture, the whole cost. It worked in the moment, even we know that it doesn't really work so well short term, but especially not for long term. But even let's say if it did quote unquote work, um, as the parent might feel, how do you think your child is going to feel about a few things? First of all, they are now afraid of you, or they probably have already been. And some parents think this is a sign of respect, but fear is not respect. Fear means I know that you can and will hurt me. And so because of that, I will do what you say. I might even seem like I'm obeying you and showing you respect, but it's all because I don't want to be hurt by you. It's not actual genuine respect where I care and appreciate and value who you are. If anything, when you create this situation where someone fears you, it's only until you have power over them. So if they become more powerful than you or if they're 
out of the home or out of a relationship with you, or they might choose to be out of a relationship with you, they won't care about you anymore. That's not respect. Just like many dictators think that people respect them, but they don't. And that's actually why um, dictators become very paranoid because they know that the people don't actually care about them. They know that people are like them, uh, aggressive and will hurt them. And so they're always afraid and they actually resort to worse and worse ways of treating people because they don't actually feel any respect from anyone. They don't respect anyone themselves and they don't feel it back. So fear is not respect. If your child is afraid of you that you're actually going to hurt them, this is not a respectful relationship. This is one just based on fear and power that I can overpower you and I'm using that. And guess what? Your kids will one day be bigger than you. And we'll see how you'll feel then if they think they should hit you now because they're bigger than you, which is also a message you give the child. But so you give the child this feeling of they should be afraid of you. Also, not that studying is good or it's good to learn, but that you should do it to avoid punishment. And so there is no instilling of this love of learning, of working hard and how that's good for us, not work hard for your parents or work hard for your teacher, work hard for you. So you feel good about it. So you get to accomplish things that feel good for yourself um, and that learning is good and trying hard is good, but they don't feel any of that. They just say, okay, work hard to avoid punishment. And so given an option, if they see that they can cheat or if they can hide what they're doing, or if they can no longer work hard because they don't have to answer to you, they're not going to. And so, and also the damage to the relationship, they're not going to feel close to you. They're not going to feel they can trust you. They're not going to feel that they can open up to you. All these things are the consequences. So when someone tells me it works, we have to look at the whole picture and not just look at the short term. And of course, being a parent is very challenging. You have to manage lots of things and schedules and try to take care of your kids physically and emotionally and get them to school on time and try to help them get their homework done and do a million things that I know make it very hard. And so parents can get stressed and they sometimes want an immediate result. So rather than trying to have a conversation with their child or rather than trying to connect with them, they just want to get them to do what they want. And so I see a lot of parents, they'll try to even be sweet and loving and have conversations with their kids. But if the kid doesn't do what they want after a few times, then they resort to using their power. And that's something I always recommend to parents is to be aware of that. When you try to use your station as I am the parent, so I'm saying you have to do this and you have to do it right now just because I say so, that to me is where you're losing, you're trying to win in the moment, but you're losing in the long run and how you're going to connect to your child. You are using power rather than using love and connection with them. And I also want to make it very clear, my point is not to say, um, let your kids do whatever they want, whenever they want. Because unfortunately, that's the other extreme we're seeing of parenting. So before the problem, and it still is, but even more, it was parents who were much too harsh and strict and even violent with their kids and abusing them. And that was a problem. And so as is often the case when people see something wrong, they think that the solution is the opposite extreme. So if it's bad to be hitting our kids and punishing them and being strict, we should go to the other extreme, which means we never say no to them. We let them do whatever they want. We never tell them something they did wasn't good. We let them even disrespect us and say that's okay and that's fine. And so this is the other extreme, which is a problem. So this is where we start to coddle children, not give them genuine consequences that allow them to recognize what it's like, like to live in the real world and to have uh, real um, 
relationships with people where they're not going to just let you do whatever they want you want to them. And so that's not good either. And so as is always the case, or almost always the case, what's better is something in between. So if you're a passive communicator, that's not good. But the other extreme of being aggressive and forcing your way, that's not good either. We're trying to become assertive, which is somewhere in between. So I don't want people to think that when we say don't spank your kids, that means also don't have consequences or any structure for them. Because children also hurt when we do that, when we don't give them any structure, when everything is uh, shown to them in a way that they're always okay. But coming back to spanking, the issue is also that not only is it bad for them, um, in the long term, in the short term, we see that it doesn't help create a change in behavior. So if you want them to learn something or learn not to do something, it appears that spanking or hitting does not even accomplish that either. So it doesn't work and it's hurting them. And I know a lot of people will argue, and it was actually in one of these articles, things like, well, you know, our parents hit us and we're okay. So how could that mean that hitting is bad? But this is a very loose and soft argument that doesn't have a lot of weight because everything that is advancing, we could say the same thing. So why should scientists work on new medicine? We're okay, and we didn't have that medicine, so nothing should advance. Why should we advance in technology? We were okay. Why should we try to change anything? And so just because we survived something doesn't mean we're okay or as good as we can be. Um, the example that they use is that uh, just... A generation ago, there wasn't car seats or they didn't have to put kids in a safety seat when they were in cars. And well, everyone who's alive today is alive today. So what's the big deal? Why do we need them? Well, no, we realize actually kids can get hurt. And of course, kids were even died in car accidents that they probably didn't need to die in because we didn't have these things in place. So using the argument of, well, we're okay is definitely not really an argument in favor of anything. We have to look more at the research and the science to see what is it telling us. And we know that there's a lot of research showing us that hitting is bad. It's hurting kids. It's hurting them when they turn into adults. And it's hurting the relationships. Um, I also thought of the, the example I've shared before where I think you can see how really funny it is the logic that we use, because I sometimes see parents, they say, well, you know, my child hit his brother, my other child, so I hit him to show him that it's wrong. And if you can't see the inherent illogical conclusion or argument you're making there, um, maybe you'll have to point it out. But to show someone that hitting is wrong by hitting them doesn't make any sense to me. How are you showing them that hitting is wrong? All you're showing them is that when you're bigger than someone, you don't like what they do, you hit them. And so if that's the case that you think hitting is okay, before you hit your child for hitting their brother, you have to ask them, well, why did you hit their brother? Because to you, there are some good reasons to hit. If he was trying to teach him a lesson, maybe you think it was good, and now you're going to go hit that child too. I mean, I hope you wouldn't, but to me, that might make more logical sense than to hit your kid for hitting them to show them that hitting is wrong. I'm using the word hit a lot. Um, so the logic is falling apart usually when we look at what parents are trying to do by punishing their kids in this way and just using the old argument of, well, this is how we used to do it or this is what our parents did. And I talked about this on Monday's show. Sometimes we have this notion of, well, if I went through some kind of pain or suffering, then the next generation should too. They shouldn't be spared of that. But really we have to take a step back, deal with our own pain and then recognize if something was wrong, it's not good for that wrong to continue to somehow make it feel like, well, at least it wasn't just me that went through this. Everyone is going through it. That doesn't make sense. And so we have to recognize that if something is bad, 
we can advance and learn that it's bad and change. Another thing that comes up for people is they think, well, if my parents did it to me, uh, I don't want to think what they did was bad or that they didn't love me or they were hurting me. Sometimes um, in the book, The Drama of the Gifted Child, Alice Miller will share stories of people in history who have talked about how abusive their parents were. So, for example, their father would beat them, but then they say it was because of those beatings that, that I grew up to be this strong man that I am. So I'm so grateful to my father for doing that or to my mother for abusing me, essentially. And really, this is just our way of trying to defend ourselves from how painful it was to get hurt by our parents for them to do that or to accept or, and acknowledge that they did something really hurtful to us. It's easier to somehow turn it around to say somehow, you know, it was actually good for me and out of the goodness of their heart that they did that. So we have a hard time accepting that, you know what, maybe what my parents did wasn't right. And so because of that, we don't want to even face that possibility. And we want to accept that hitting was right when they didn't. And I have to do it to my kids to make sure they're okay. So I hope that you'll think about this if you think about spanking your kids or punishing them in this way. Um, I have the assumption that most people that listen to a show like this are not as much in favor of spanking anyway, but in case you are, uh, just to think about, even if you're not sure, we should at least look into it because you're hitting your child. We want to make sure there is a good reason for that, not just, well, because people have done it or I've seen it or it happened in the past, so there has to be something good in it. There are a lot of things we can learn from the past, and there is some wisdom at times in things that have carried on generation to generation, but also there's a lot of things we do that were wrong in the past and we're learning about, like washing hands and different types of cleanliness that we thought was not a big deal. Even doctors would not wash their hands and then perform a surgery, and they thought it was a joke to think they have to wash their hands or do things like that because they didn't understand the science behind it. And now we're understanding more and more about the science of how the brain develops, how different things affect the brain, how punishment and reinforcement affect brain and development. And we have to look at the science, not just say, well, things were this way and take our biases into a discussion of how we raise our children and recognizing that there's never a good reason to spank your child, never a good reason to hit your child. It's always going to be hurtful to them. It doesn't get the positive result you think it's going to get and just leaves negative marks, both physically and emotionally on them that really are hurtful, painful, and they'll have to deal with the rest of their lives and will damage the relationship you have with them as well. If anyone disagrees with me, please call in and talk about that. Or of course, you can call about anything else. Studio number 310-441-0555. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Dulakwi. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to a caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hello. Yes, hi. Thanks for calling. Hi there. Hi. Hi. Uh, thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. I have a question about my son. Okay. Uh, it's a, basically, it's a parenting issue. Mm -hmm. uh, my son right now is 22, and uh, so far that he came to this age, I haven't had any problem with him. Uh, he has on his study, everything is just perfect about him. The only thing about two years ago, uh, because there are a bunch of friends that they go out together and uh, in our community, uh, about two years ago, he came to me and said, uh, Mom, I'm with one of the girls. Um, we are tr getting a little bit serious. 
like we want to date. Mm-hmm. And then I said, uh, I think it's not a good idea. Don't do that. What, why not? Asked, let me... Let me first, you know, you use the word perfect, which always like rings an alarm in my head about him saying he's been perfect. Why didn't you want him to date someone? Well, I I didn't mind if he dates someone, but uh, the only thing that I know, because I said to him, this is from our own community. Everybody knows each other. And then if the girl, this type, probably it's going to fall in love with you and then you are so young you are not going to you haven't seen anything yet and then you're going to be stuck are you sure you want to do that he said that no we have uh, we have goals we are not going to think about anything like marriage or even she's not like that we are just going to be uh, close friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, but, you know, it doesn't work. if you. But if, like, say in two years, what's going to happen if you guys fall in love or whatever? Uh, because you are so young, I think you should not uh, do this at this, this age, maybe later on. And then she said, uh, he said, uh, no, but then I, again, I wasn't sure that if I'm saying the right thing because it's good for kids to try relationships and to get experience. Well, so anyhow, first, I mean, the thing is, uh, there's a lot of things. I mean, whether or not it's right or wrong is definitely one thing, but then also that you're trying to make the decision for him is another thing. And that's uh, even to me more an issue, even above and beyond if it's right or wrong, is that you're trying to tell him how to live his life or that he can or can't date someone, which you can't even control anyway. Uh, But that to me is concerning. And I don't think that at 22 he can't date or he shouldn't date. The things you're saying can happen, um, that maybe he falls in love and gets stuck and all those things. But it doesn't mean because of that he should not date at all and has to wait till some age to date. Sometimes having those experiences can be good for young adults as well. So I don't know if I agree with the advice itself. And then also there is a way that you're talking about it that you should control what he does and make that decision for him, which I That's also true. don't agree with. Yeah. That's true. But the thing good about him is when he wants something, he doesn't listen. He wants that he does <laughs> well, that's And that's why I want you to... I'm, I'm glad you see that as a good thing because usually parents won't like that. But I'm glad you see that. And that's why even more, rather than trying to convince him and always with parents, I tell them that have a conversation with them. You can talk to them about things to help him make the decision himself. You can share concerns even, but concerns not, I know you're going to, you know, a lot of times parents tell me, well, I told him or I told her, I know you're going to date him and then this is going to happen and this and, and like all these assumptions of, I know exactly when you don't know, you can say, here are some concerns I have or some things if he wants to talk about it, but even more because you're saying he's going to do what he wants to do anyway, which actually is a good thing. You want to focus more on your job is not to make decisions for him. It's to be his mom and to have conversations with him, to have a relationship with him. So, you so know. I did. Okay. I, I, this was the situation. He went forward and he dated. So finally, uh, about a year and a half passed. And then um, we saw, you know, her parents. They saw us. We went on a trip. 
so it happened like that. Mm-hmm. And she would come to our house, uh, like they would study together. They have the common goal, any, everything, like they were good. Um, all this was happening. And then um, it was a time that he got invited to their house about two or t- three times. But again, last time that they invited him again. So I I uh, sat with him and I said, listen, you are, <laughs> again, I, Yeah, I, I know. You, look, you could, I mean, you, you heard yourself. The way you started saying it wasn't a conversation. You were telling him what to do. But was it? The, exactly. Yeah. I know. Okay. I know. But, but I didn't see, oh, okay, before that, about two weeks before But let that, me, can I stop you for a second? All these details don't matter too much to me. Like he went two times, he came three times, they went four times there, one time here. What is it that you're worried about? I don't want to hear the details. What are you worried about? The thing is, the girl, after a year and a half, finally told him that I am ready to have the rest of my life with you. Okay. To spend the rest of my life with you. Mm -hmm. And then uh, he came to me and said, Mom, she told me this. And I said, okay, what did you say? I said, I was, he said, I was speechless. Mm-hmm. I couldn't say anything. Mm-hmm. I said, well, don't you like him? Like her? She said, yes, I do. Sorry, I'm just making a mistake. He said, yes, I do, but I, I don't think I'm that much in love with her yet. Okay. So, and then this was the issue. I said, okay, nothing. She finished. And by the time that he was invited to their house, I said, you know what? You're going to go, you're going to get involved, and all these things are going to happen. And I'm sorry, but I told him that I told you this is going to happen. So he got I, But can I stop you? Are you apologizing to me? Yes. <laughs> well, I hope I don't make you feel like you need to apologize to me. Maybe it's that you, you'd recognize that it, it was con- telling him I told you so, which we know is not the, the nicest thing to say to someone. But okay. I know, yeah. But- Mother, I know. know. Well, I know. I know so you're hard. a mother. But what about? Isn't it possible they get married and it could be good? I'm just saying this as a possibility. I don't. I didn't. Again, it's me being a bad mother or whatever. No. I didn't see her uh, as the perfect thing for him. Yeah, that's that's your second time saying perfect. I don't think she's. No one's going to be perfect. Not the perfect. Not the perfect. Okay, a good I, match. I, I, okay. I thought that he has. Way he's gonna have more opportunities in the future. Why he is just opened her eyes, hasn't seen anybody, nobody, no experience, hasn't gone anywhere, or uh, like why? Well, I was like, why you are limiting yourself to only one person? I'm not saying he's not the kind that he goes get girlfriend this, that, that, and like in two months he's not like that. But I said, why you want to limit yourself so fast? Like he was saying he would go uh, out with his friends, maybe a girl, a boy. And then he had to question, uh, she would question him, why you didn't go with me? Why you didn't take me? I said, is it like this early you want to be involved with this, all these things? Why not? Well, so, that's, uh, hold on though. I mean... That's part of being in a relationship. I'm not saying, I don't know that, I don't want to get into the details of what she was saying or how she was saying things, but, you know, this is kind of what relationships are about as you figure out these things, so it's not necessarily bad. And it seems like you didn't like that she was being controlling with him, 
Um, but you have to. Be, I didn't. I, w- I wasn't aware of that. After I know, but that, I know, but he told me about it. I understand. Like, yeah, I know. Yeah. Hold on, hold on. But the thing is, you're missing that your controlling behavior with him might even make him more likely to be attracted to a controlling woman. He didn't like it. Okay, he he probably doesn't like it when you do. I know, (laughs) but he doesn't like it when I know. Hold on, let me all. I know he doesn't like it when you do it either. So just because he says he doesn't like it doesn't mean he doesn't. People will will say, "Oh, I don't like that my husband, my father was so critical," and then they'll go marry a critical man. So I'm not saying he likes it when she does it. I also want you to be aware he might not like it when you do it either. But what you're saying is, I don't want you to be controlled by her. I want you to be more controlled by me. And that's not going to be the right way to help him to make his own decisions is by telling him, no, you shouldn't listen to her. You should listen to me. He has no, to listen I to himself. I know you're not saying I, that, but you're showing him that, that, see, I told you, you should have listened to me from the beginning. And so now listen to me when I say, instead of going to their house, do this or do that. Well, yeah, these are yeah. all uh, happens one, uh, you know, mm-hmm. these are the things in the life that happens. But anyhow, Mm-hmm. So that 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 day that I told him this is if you are going and if this is gonna continue in future it's gonna be harder and harder you get separated and then apparently I made him so angry that the day after he went and he broke up with her. What do you mean by made him so angry? Because I told him that. This is, you are making yourself so much involved in this relationship. And it is not time for you to do this. If you continue this for a long time, or if you let it go longer time, then it is going to be hard for you to get out. It's going to be hard for her to get out. So that was my opinion. No, but I, but and, I want you to be aware of you're not sharing it as an opinion. You don't share what you're telling him as an that's my that's what I want you to to hear from what I'm but telling you. Another thing is let me tell you this as well. I have been saying this uh, like this uh, couple of times uh, past few years too when they were and he didn't listen to me. And finally I don't know what happened that he listened or I know but this is where he felt that okay I have to do this I'm tired of this I have to do this right now let me tell you now what happened okay but can I tell you something before you tell me (laughs) okay and also this comes up with you know it's interesting sometimes when I talk to parents that can be controlling with their kids when I have a conversation with them they're controlling with me or even how the conversation goes so you don't really give me an opportunity to talk. So I can feel that you think, even when me and you are talking, you think what you have to say is more important than what I have to say. No, no, I, I'm sorry. I just want to say... No, I'm not saying this is a... To, I'm not. Thing. Yes, I want you to understand that I'm, I'm not saying this to say, don't, you know, to say between me and you. I want you to become aware of a dynamic that you might be putting into play with him as well. That you could have that same way. You might not even realize that there is a controlling nature to how you talk to him at times, but you might be putting that into the conversation just because that's how you communicate with him. So I'm sharing that with you not to say, I'm getting upset or I don't want you to do it. I feel it in how we're talking, but I want you to become aware of this for how you talk to him. Because when I hear you talk about him, I feel that. And then when I'm talking to you at times, I get the sense that when I want to say something, you say, no, no, what I have to say is more important. 
and I want you to recognize if we're having a conversation. <laughs> I didn't say it's more important. I, I said I want to say more. I'm so sure that, you do. But but that's how a conversation works. Is Of course, right now I have 10,000 things I can say. But if we're going to have a conversation, I have to let you talk and then let me talk and then let you talk. Think about what you say. There has to be that back and forth. Of course, I have a lot of things I could have said throughout what, when you were talking. And your son probably does too, but he might not feel the space to share what he's thinking and feeling to you because you don't allow for that space. You have to let someone share what they're thinking. And that's what I mean, that you think what you have to say is so important that it's going to change the whole conversation or it's more important than what I have to say. But you have to give that space to me just like you give that space to him or you need to give that space to him. And even when you talked, you said he didn't listen to me the few first few times and then finally he did. And even if you hear how you say it, it's that he didn't listen, that was bad. He didn't listen, that was bad. He finally listened to me, that's good. The way you explain the story is that the story was bad when he doesn't listen to me. When he listens to me, that's a good thing. And that's what I'm saying is the problem is that when you talk to him, your feeling is not to have a conversation. It's that I have to somehow get him to realize what I think is right because I am right. When you, don't, you have to realize you don't know if you are right. You have concerns, you have thoughts, which you're very much entitled to. And I think it's good for you to have a conversation with him about those things. But I don't want you to think that you know what is the best thing for him. So you have to get him to make the decision you think is right. And now I'm af I think you're afraid to talk because I told you that you talk over. <laughs> so how about this? Okay, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> so how about this? We're at a commercial break and I definitely do want to give you a chance to talk and for us to talk some more about what's going on. So let's go to the commercial break and then after we'll talk some more. Okay. 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 All right. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Dulakwi. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Before the break, we're with the caller. Let's go back to her now. Caller, are you still there? Yes. Hi. Okay. All right. So we were talking about your son. He's 22. Um, and you're concerned about the relationship he's having with, um, I guess we can say his girlfriend. It's been about a year and a half, I think you said. And it's getting more serious. Although I, now I, I'll let you continue that I think he broke up with her, but I don't know what happened after that and, and where things are now. So let, tell me a little bit more about what's going on. Okay, right now, uh, yes, they're, they broke up. And then uh, the girl is very upset. Sometimes they text to each other, and then every time she cries. So I feel for her mm -hmm. um, because, like, it doesn't matter. It's like my, my, my daughter, too. If something else happens to my daughter, what I'm going to do, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And from the other side, I wouldn't or I wouldn't, I didn't want my son to just be in a relationship just without just because somebody is going to be upset. Mm -hmm. I, I agree. Because, yes. And now that he, uh, I said, okay, um, again, I asked him last night, how do you feel? She cries, but how do you feel? He said, I don't feel anything. And, uh, you know, I, at the beginning, he was very upset too. He cried a lot as well, but he, now he says, no, I am okay. And then, uh, now that, I mean, time. that could be a good thing. Although, I mean, I don't, I mean, maybe that he was sad before and now he's more okay with it. But the reason why I'm just stopping you there is because sometimes we have this, um, I think it's a misconception that we think, well, if someone has 
a negative feeling that's bad, and if they don't have that negative feeling, it's good. So someone says, oh, you know, so-and-so went through a breakup or someone died in someone's family, but, you know, she's not crying. And so we think that's a good thing, that they're not sad. And I think that's a misconception to not realize sometimes having those negative feelings, it makes sense and is actually natural and even healthy. So maybe because it's been some time he feels that way, but if you told me, yeah, my son is breaking up with his girlfriend and she's crying and he doesn't feel a thing, it actually could be oh, more of a no, negative no, no. thing than a positive thing. But okay, no, no, so it's no, been no. some time. It, yeah. So it has been some time. He is, um, he is um, not crying. Of course, he's upset for him. He's, I see that he's sad for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he told me that he's a little bit relieved that he could come out of this relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the reason is... Uh, the, the things was getting so uh, regular. Every time he's coming from school, he has to call her, and then they talk about what happened during their day, you know, all this conversation. They were studying together. So he said it was just so much. Uh, every, every day, every day is the same and same. So I kind of, I was getting tired of that. Well, I mean, and then, that's not, you know, a lot of times life is going to be that way. So every day having routine is not necessarily a bad thing. It, it seems that maybe he didn't want that routine. That's, that's the bigger problem because most people's life is routine, but it's one they choose and they want to be in. So if you get married, you say, oh, I went, you can say that same story. Oh, I go to sleep next to the person. I wake up, they're there. I go to, you know, but the person wants to be with the person. It's good. So it seems like he didn't want to be with her or maybe the way their relationship was, was more about her than him. So she wanted them to spend so much time or talk so much and he wanted some more space. But this is where I want you to again, see that we have to try to help him not by forcing or controlling him to to do something but to realize that he might enter another relationship like this where he does what the other person wants that's why i wanted you to become aware of how you might have a controlling dynamic with him that might draw him into this kind of a relationship might attract him and make him okay with being in that kind of a relationship that's really what what i was trying to point out to you in the last segment i called you yeah to see what what because I feel that uh, I know that we cannot control our kids, but mm-hmm. I want to be there for them and make sure that I'm uh, I'm supporting them. I want to make sure that they do the right thing. But that's and those but again, I those things. <laughs> but those things might be not incompatible completely, but to support them and also to make sure they do the right thing can be difficult because you won't allow for him to make the decisions himself. Which means sometimes he'll do. The wrong thing, or we don't even know if it's right or wrong, but we have to let him decide. What well, you know, something similar to what you're saying. I've worked with some families where they say, you know, I want my son or my daughter when they go to school to stand up to the teacher. The teacher is being mean to him, and I want him to stand up to the teacher. And then when I ask them, well, can your son stand up to you? They soon realize, actually, no, he can't. I don't allow him to, or I don't give him that space. And so it's that same thing. You're saying, I don't want him to get controlled by her, but I want him to be controlled by me. And it doesn't work that way. Or I want him to make his own decisions, but I don't want to give him the space to make his own decisions because I know what's better for him or what's right. And so we might have to allow for him even to do what might be the quote unquote wrong thing, but give him that space to think and decide and live with the consequences and learn from it. And you can be with him on that journey as he does that, if he wants to talk to you about it, but without giving him the space to actually make the decisions, we won't be able to teach him how to make his own decisions. 
So we can't decide for him and then say, I'm going to keep deciding for you the right decisions and then eventually you'll be in the right relationship and then you'll live happily ever after. We're going to have to let him make sometimes wrong decisions or sometimes decisions we don't know really. We can share our concerns, but let him go through it. And if he wants to talk to you about it, great. And what he learned from it, what happened, what he wants to do next time. Okay, good. But all from him, not you telling him. Yep. And so, so yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. Sorry, go ahead. And then um, now, again, another relief that he has because he has to uh, concentrate on his studying. Mm-hmm. And then he said that she would give him some, uh, like, uh, kind of make him agitated because they were studying together, they were competing together. And then she, he wasn't, he couldn't concentrate much that he wanted. The mm-hmm. way that he wanted. Okay. Now uh, he's okay with that. He, he he's relieved again. Like last year, he wrote the MCAT, and then uh, his mark wasn't. It, it was, you know, the mark that he wanted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So again, this year said, "Mom, I don't want anybody to distract me." And uh, she would distract me because she would come and say, "Oh, I studied this part." And I haven't studied yet, so this gives me a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm getting nervous. So, but now I'm okay, uh, and I can concentrate okay. on this and that. So, okay, that's fine. However so, you like. Yeah. Now, what I also would point out to him when you talk to him, and it's not in a way of saying I told you so or um, anything else, but I would want him to reflect on what he learned from this relationship because. It doesn't mean every girl he's going to be with is going to make him feel that way. You can have a partner that actually supports you and makes you feel less stressed and more relaxed rather than more anxious. And so I don't know if there was, you said that competitive, it doesn't seem like it was a healthy type of competition between them, wasn't good. Uh, But he needs to look at some of those things too. Okay, what was it in this relationship that I don't want to have in future relationships. What was it about her I liked, I didn't like? I always think it's good for anyone to reflect on these things because each experience is an experience from us to, for us to learn about the good, the bad, what made us go towards this relationship, choose this person, what we would like in our next relationship that's the same, what we would want to be different. But something there is not good because I don't necessarily agree that if you date someone, it has to make you study worse than if you're not dating someone. Um, it depends on the relationship and the person you're with, but there does seem to be some unhealthy things that were there that weren't helping him and making him more stressed. And also we have to give him the responsibility because I don't think it's fair. And even the way you're saying the story, there's this feeling of because of her, he didn't do as good on his MCAT. Well, no, I'm not, okay. He might I, feel that way. Probably not. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I know. I, I said that. Yeah, but it's up to him, you know, it's up to him to either choose to be, yeah, but I mean, it's up to him to either be with someone or not. And then if he is, it's still up to him how he does. And so I think you're giving into that a little bit too much or feeding into that. Yeah, see, she was bad for you. The girl's going to distract you because you think it's not good for him to date. So you're also going to push that a little bit more that you shouldn't be with someone right now. I don't think it has to be that way. I know people that went through graduate school together dating and they, you know, actually supported each other and made it easier for them rather than harder. So it can be a distraction to be in a relationship. And in this case, he was with someone that seemed to be giving him more stress when it came to studying. But I don't want to 
give that narrative too much weight that it has to be worse or he should expect this. Because I don't want him to think, okay, be with someone when you have no more stress left in your life, because that'll be never. You know, there's always things going on. And actually, you should be with someone that helps make your stress feel more manageable, helps you make you makes you feel better about what you're doing and what's going on rather than making you more stressed out and making you feel a pressure to make them happy in some way. So, my yeah, okay. no, go, go ahead. ahead. Yeah, that, that was it. Go ahead. That's uh, my question is because I have a daughter as well. She's 16. <laughs> She's going to grow up again soon <laughs> and want to date. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I, because I heard from your father that says like these young kids, they never have to date for marriage. You know, they are so young or they are too young to think about these things, maybe after 25 or 26. Okay. So now these young people, if they're going to date and then suddenly it ends up to marriage or whatever. So how, as a parent, what should we do? Well, not a whole lot is probably what you need to do because if she wants to date, she's 16, you said, almost 16? Yeah, okay. not now. But well, she maybe dates already. We don't know. She could be dating already. Um, no, she's not. <laughs> <laughs> she's fine. You said she's fine? No, I said she's not. Okay. Well, I mean, we don't know if she... I mean, I, I know you don't like to even think about it in the hypothetical sense, but she can. And the reason why I'm also saying that is you can't control her to again going back to control to make her not if you you can tell her look you're not allowed to date and if she wants to she'll just do it behind your back so that's what i want you to realize it's hard i think it's hard for you to let go which i understand it's tough when you care about your kids you don't want anything bad to happen to them but you have to be willing to accept the reality which is that you can't control what happens to your son or your daughter you can have some hopefully positive effect you can help them grow and to make better decisions but to then say because you know my father or some psychologist or god or something says you shouldn't date that she should not date and then she won't you can tell her that but she still might decide to do it anyway and again if she realizes you don't accept it she'll just do it behind your back and that can actually lead to things being worse than better because if she has to hide something she can get into more secretive places she can get into a worse situation and she won't be able to ask you for help and that could be even worse. That's something I see with a lot of families. They think, I told my son or my daughter they can't do this. And now they have to go in really uh, worse ways to figure it out. They can't do drugs. Okay, if they even try to do drugs, I won't even let them come back to my house. And now they have an addiction and they don't know what to do. So I would just be aware of, for you, rather than thinking, of what do I need to do in this pressured way of I need to do more, I need to fix things, I need to make everything okay, is realizing you have to accept that you can only do so much and that you can't do really anything when it comes to controlling them. You shouldn't try to. You're supposed to be there for, if she wants to talk to you, to be there to talk and communicate and let her know concerns, not, I know that if you start dating now, it's going to distract you and you're going to get too into it and then you're not going to do this and then you're going to be upset later on because you don't know. You're just trying to get her afraid of these possibilities because those are your fears and you're trying to dump them onto her. You have to allow for her to go through the experiences. She might date someone. Lots of people dated when they were 16, 17, 18 and older and they're, they can be okay. It doesn't mean it has to be good, but it's not necessarily bad or the worst thing either. So you have to allow for her to have that space that we don't know what she's going to do. All you can do is help her make better decisions by helping her think about things and think through things. But at the end, she's going to make those decisions. 
<laughs> it's tough. I know it's hard to see kids grow up because when they're kids, the things you're worried about at least are smaller. As they get older, yeah, it's bigger it things. Easier, but yeah. when they grow up, it gets harder. It oh. is harder, but then you have to also trust that they are going to make the decisions. Now, I know you probably look at your 15-year-old and think, I don't want her to make decisions that can affect the rest of her life right now, which I can understand. But you have to uh, allow them to go through the, the falls, and hopefully they're small falls but they start to trust themselves more and make the better decisions. And with your son, I'd be careful. Some of the things you're talking about, the ways he's talking about things, concern me a bit. Like I said, blaming her for his MCAT. Because I think... No, no, no. He doesn't blame her. Okay. He says that... Uh, he, he says the way I study, I have to be by myself. Okay. Uh, if other people... Uh, he's he does very well in a group project. Everything he does that, but sometimes that he needs to be concentrated on something and does it hurt himself. Then he says, "I'm right. better when I do it myself." So then we have to, we want to help him. Her, right. Then they have to share. Everything. They don't have to, but that's what that's what I want you to realize. Is I would rather than saying because of that you have to get this, you have to break up with her, is realizing that okay then. Not again to. No, I didn't. No, I know. I'm not I, saying you said my this. Thing was the I understand. Thing I understand. That, okay, you get involved, you get married. Right, you right. Know, Which you even. Seen anything. This was my idea. Yeah. Um, okay, but my but, point is, my point is this: rather than saying, "Oh, she made you study with her," then you can't be with her. I'm not saying you said this, but that's the conclusion he has. What I would rather he learns is, I don't like that she wants us always to study together. I prefer studying alone. So it's important for me to be able to tell my partner that I actually need space to study alone. That's how I learn better. But see, he's doing what she th- what she liked. She he but allowed her to. Yes, they do that. They do that. <laughs> but then they come together. They discuss it again. You know, all these things happen when you are in relationship with somebody. You cannot just cut people from your what you are sharing. They are I'm... studying together. They would just discuss it. I, and then, okay. you know, even though he's studying two days, like last time he was two weeks, he said, I don't want to have any talk with her. And I just want to, uh, I told her that I'm not going to call her, no text, no nothing. I'm just going to study. And then, but after that, again, they come together, they talk, you know, all these things that will happen. Yes, uh, I understand. But I think you're still missing the point. The way you're saying is that you have this conclusion that, a relationship has to make you less productive, has to make you stressed out. And it doesn't have to be that way. And you're almost reinforcing to him this idea, you're right, to have a girl in your life, it's going to make you worse at life. And that's not the case. So when he says, she wouldn't let me study alone, rather than saying, oh yeah, that's why it's good you're not with her anymore. To me, what's more important is say, well, then you need to be able to have a talk with her where you can tell her, I need to study alone or I don't want to talk about this or that. Or I need to have this kind of space. And if he can't have that, then it might not be the right relationship. But what I'm seeing from him and the way you say even he's talking about being with her was he either felt like he had to be controlled by her or free from her jail. And that's a problem is for him to see it that black and white rather than realizing I can be with someone, express what I need and what I want. And hopefully they can give that to me. If not, then we might not be right for each other. But it's that black and white that either I get controlled and do what they want and make them happy in that way and I'm miserable or I get freed from jail. And that's what I don't want him to feel. And he might feel that with you sometimes, that he has to either try to make you happy 
or he has to be free from you. And so I want you to think about that. Do you want to get him to the point where he feels like he can't have a relationship with you because he might feel controlled by you or he has to do what you want? Or do you want to give him that space to be his own person, which means he might I, do things you don't like sometimes, but that's okay. I think he's the first one. Okay. He is, uh, I, I'm glad, actually, that he's the first one. He can control, he can, you know, do whatever he wants. He's on, he's that. Okay. But for this relationship, because I brought that uh, conversation, like I, I said, okay, I'm going to talk to him. That's it. I, I'm not going to ignore things anymore just to let him what he wants to do. So I have to... Well, hold on, this. hold on. Did you hear yourself? Yeah. You said, I'm not going to let him do what he wants to do anymore, basically. He has to do what I want him to do. I, I said, I, uh, I thought that I have to say it one time. You've, you've said it, you said it many times during the course of their relationship. That's what I want you to I don't I think this is what I really want you to start to reflect on is I think you don't recognize the controlling part because it's so natural for you and how you relate to him. You think it's coming from that's how you love him is by getting him to stop doing something. So you said I'm going to let him do what he wants but now nope now he's not going to do what he wants to do. He's going to do what I want him to do because I know what's better for him. And this is when things went well in the story in your mind is when he started to listen to me. They went bad when he listened to himself. They went well when he listened to me. That's what I want you to recognize is a problem. That you're saying he has to listen to me, not himself, but I want him to somehow make good decisions in his life when you don't even trust him. So how can he trust himself? Okay. Okay. So now I'm going to put this conversa our conversation for him to listen. Okay. I would, you know, then... I would be happy for him to call in next, you know, whenever he can. That would be great to talk to him too. Yeah, I told him actually. I wanted okay. to call Doctor oh. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, call but it's funny. I As I say that, also, I don't want you to force him to call me because again, we don't want to no, control no, him. No, yeah, no, so no, only if he wants, wants to. But yeah, okay. But it was nice but talking you know, to you. At the beginning, also when I about at the end when I said I told you. Yeah. I said that. Sorry. Yeah, no, I know. I, but you caught yourself. And it's going to be more about reflecting on yourself. You know, I want to get to some other callers, but I'm happy we got to talk. Okay. Okay. Have you. a great day. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. All right. We're going into our next commercial break. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. No. Hello. Hi. Hi, you're Hi, on the air. Thanks for calling. Thank you so much. I'm glad that you were able to pick up. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Thank you. Go ahead. So I um, am calling in regards to my two-year-old. Um, he'll be two on the 18th this month, actually. Mm -hmm. So he's not quite two, but um, yeah, we've, I mean, as expected, there are like complete behavioral changes. And for me, I guess this call is, I want to... Um, let you know some of my concerns and maybe have you help me tailor the respond. Okay. Um, I guess two of my main issues currently with him are um, his eating habits. Lately, he's not eating anything other than uh, pizza. And um, when he does decide that he is going to eat, he, you know, I cut things into small chewable portions and he just takes really, really big bites, like to the point his entire mouth is really full, and I don't even know how he chews. Mm -hmm. um, so it kind of concerns me as far as, like, how I could get him to slow down, because I feel like I could be a choking hazard. Mm -hmm. 
Um, now, as far as his, you know, weight and things go, when he sees the pediatrician, how is he doing in all those regards, health-wise? Um, he will get a two-year checkup on the 19th, so I haven't been in for a while. But last time we had gone in, I feel like his his weight had um, declined because he even then he kind of slowed down on eating a bit. But, you know, I assumed that was like part of teething and just kind of becoming active and mm-hmm. um, not just sitting around all day anymore. Okay. So okay. I, I can't really answer that fully. That's all right. But so, I mean, it, maybe it went down a little bit, but... And you'll know more um, in a few days when you take him in for his next uh-huh. checkup. But okay, so I just wanted to make sure that those the health side of things, how they're going. But so you've noticed he eats, he was eating less, it seems, what you're saying. When he eats, he eats kind of fast. He both. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, throughout the day, he's eating less. I can offer him anything and uh, he just won't eat it unless it's pizza. Mm-hmm. Um, there were times where he liked there are times where he liked different things like uh, bagels with cream cheese and um, things like that, but now he's not even really eating those. Um, but when he does eat, when he has, gets pizza or whatever the food may be, he's like stuffing his mouth. Uh-huh. Okay. So he he has a limited diet or things he likes. Yeah. I mean, should I just give him pizza until he'll decide to eat other things? Or should I I continue giving him... Well, let me ask you, is he sensitive about other things as well? Like, let's say, or from a young age, did he, was he colicky or did he have um, any kind of sensory sensitivities or anything like that? No. Okay. Because sometimes kids that are picky eaters, and kids will go through phases like this too, but some kids will be pickier in general. They might have... They just might be more sensitive in general to things. Uh-huh. So they might prefer things to be a certain way or be the same way or just get used to something. Um, mm-hmm. But to me, it's not so alarming yet. I know as parents, we think uh-huh. we want to make sure they have everything. I would leave him lots of options, like you're saying, like have fresh fruits and vegetables on the table and there, mm-hmm. and he might want to have them himself. I don't know if he ever does yeah. just grab something or say he wants it, but we want to give him those options to see what's uh-huh. there. Um, how long has it been when you're saying he just has pizza? Like, how long has he been doing that? You know, it's a fairly recent thing. Okay. Um, as far as, like, allowing him to feed himself and things, I do try to teach him to be independent in that way. So, hey, Papa. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I I do allow him to feed himself. And, you know, depending on the food, sometimes I'll help with that. Um, the pizza thing is definitely a more recent thing, although um, he has his dad and I are not together any longer. And so I think it kind of started from his dad because that's like all he ever gives him. Mm. And so now it's like every time I try to, you know, expand his food palette, it's, it's he doesn't want anything. Yeah. Unless it's fruits or something sweet, he won't even give it a try. Well, so yeah, we'll keep trying that. But I mean, you know, it's, I'm glad you mentioned that uh, there's been a separation because that, of course, mm-hmm. can lead to anxiety, which one can lead to more wanting to keep things the same. And then also maybe there is something where the pizza is something he associates with his dad or there's something there too. So it's not really clear what's going on. So I'd be patient with him, especially because of uh, the recent separation. When was that that you guys separated? Um, We haven't been living in the same household for almost a year. Mm, okay. And then are getting going through divorce right now? 
I'm sorry, what? You said you're going through a divorce right now? Uh, well, we haven't lived together in over a year. We never officially were married. We were just okay. engaged. Okay, okay, okay. Um, so, you know, those, uh, of course, we know that kind of a change takes a toll mm-hmm. on your child as well. And so there could be some anxiety there. Even when you talked about him eating fast, one thing I would mm-hmm. want you to be aware of is that I can feel, obviously, even that you're talking to me and you're concerned about his weight and his eating. And so mm-hmm. he might feel your anxiety. And so that might even affect how he eats because he feels that mm-hmm. pressure from you or he might feel mommy wants me to eat. And so he might eat in a faster pace because of that. So mm-hmm. something that's always, you know, there's things of, uh, with the kid you want to be very aware of, of course. But then also as a parent, we always have to be aware of our own feelings and anxieties and things because that's going to affect how we interact with our child and our children pick mm-hmm. up on these things like a sponge he obviously can't even verbalize period but he won't be able to verbalize this that i feel that you're nervous mom so i'm eating faster but he can feel this pressure that mommy wants me to eat or mommy gets worried i don't eat or when i'm there and mommy sees me take a bite she gets happy so he wants to put another bite in his mouth to make you happy because you're worried he's not eating enough so it, it's coming to terms with your own feelings about uh, how he's doing and you know kids go, go through things i'm glad he's going to go see a doctor in a few days um mm-hmm. so we'll see how he's doing and make sure he's okay we always will keep an eye on him but we don't want to put too much pressure on each meal or each eating experience because that'll actually make him more likely not to eat because you might make him feel anxious too so he might have this mixed feeling of he doesn't want to eat most of the time and then when he does maybe he's also very hungry because he hasn't ate all day or he sees how you're feeling mm-hmm. he might eat faster than what you're used to and or you think is okay and so that's something for you to really make sure you come to terms with okay that's very interesting um i'm really glad you pointed that out because that's a very different perspective so um i I will try to be a little bit more aware of that there's something else as far as like his behavior he just began screaming Mm-hmm. All the time, and I know, I mean, I'm sure, like, I don't know how things were in your household, mm-hmm. but I feel like Persians are very vocal and loud, and <laughs> yeah. so I don't know if he's kind of learning that from us, but, I mean, screaming, he, like, screams at the top of his lungs, and it's not necessarily because of anything sometimes, like, he could just want attention, or mm-hmm. he just isn't isn't feeling like he's getting his way, and, and that's kind of like, I'm having, like, a power struggle yeah. with him where... Mm-hmm. He's constantly testing boundaries, and I let him know where the boundaries are, but he pushes them anyway. And then it's like, how do I respond, you know? Um, yeah. How do I respond without, Sure. I guess, in a healthy way? Yeah, that, no, that's tough. I mean, he's, I know we talk about the terrible twos, and I guess he's going to be there in a few days. And it's interesting, my brother's birthday is on the 20th, so I kind of like his birthday. Um, but, um, <laughs> you know, there's a lot to think about when it comes to what you just said. So... Just developmentally, we know that kids, they can't, as I was just saying, verbalize much and they get these big feelings. And so t- sometimes they express them in ways we don't like by yelling or even sometimes hitting or biting or different things because they don't know how to, to get it out. It's too much for them to deal with. So at one level for a kid to scream sometimes is in, we could even say natural or normal. It tends to happen for every child. We do want to see like how much is happening. And then also, like you even said yourself, if there's yelling in the household or a lot of anger and aggression in the household or even anxiety, the kids, they do absorb that and they're going to, it's going to affect how they interact. So we want to think about that too. How is, how are things in the home? I know you've been 
away from his father for a year, at least in separate mm-hmm. homes. But maybe there was fighting earlier that was that way. And maybe still there's a lot of that type of energy. So pay attention to that. And related to that, always something we recommend to parents is to have a stance of curiosity when it comes to your child. So even I get what you mean when you say sometimes he screams for no reason. But... Sorry? I'm sorry. Oh. Oh, he wants yeah. He wants to get involved in the conversation with which is fine. I wish he could yeah. talk. If we he could hear, well, for himself right now. <laughs> well, you know that's the interesting thing, kind of jokingly, but really, we wish he could tell us more. But that's why, as yeah. a parent, having that stance of curiosity means we're always trying to understand him, and he will tell you not so directly, but we try to pay attention to see underneath what they're showing us. So he's having a tantrum, and you're like, I have no idea why, and then you might reflect and realize, you know what he. He took a shorter nap today, so maybe he's a little bit more irritable and cranky or all day there's been commotion or, you know, there's other things that could be going on. And you always want to try to look at what is going on that might be contributing to what he's expressing now. So that stance of curiosity is very important to have that maybe I don't know the why, but there is a why. And I'm going to try to understand where he's coming from or what he's expressing in this moment that maybe seems weird to me, but that's what it is or seems odd to me. Now, another thing you mentioned that's really important is you're going to have power struggles with him. And that's going to be, you know, the next, you know, 16 years of your life, you'll probably still have to deal with different type of dynamics. But we want to minimize how much of a power struggle we create or make it more intensified. But, you know, you have to have boundaries with him from now and as he gets older. And what's also tough about boundaries is like when he starts to yell, it usually or not usually, but sometimes parents will give in because it seems too hard to keep the boundary just to get them to shut up we say okay here just get whatever you wanted or play five more minutes or whatever the thing might be but unfortunately that reinforces the yelling right because he learns that okay Mm -hmm. if i really want something if i yell loud enough if i tantrum hard enough mommy will say yes and so you have to try to be as firm as you can firm but still loving in that if you create a boundary with him at at this age it might be hard for him to get it sometimes when he gets older you can verbally communicate with him. It's easier to set boundaries. Right now, you have to try to show him. And so we have to be aware that he's not always going to get it when you say something to him. But as he gets older, especially that if you make a rule with him, a boundary with him, that you you hold that boundary for him even. It's not just like you're doing it in a punishing way or a way of hurting him, but because you know that it's good for him to have structure because the child is going to need that. But that means that even when he does yell and scream and if it makes you feel uncomfortable, you have to try your best to withstand that. You can even empathize with them say i know you're frustrated i know you're angry because you want to play or you want to do whatever it might be but that you're still going to hold that line for him that this is how it is so that he learns that it's not through yelling that he's going to get his way he can communicate with you and as he gets older he can do that more maybe effectively or he can express himself better but that you're not just going to give in because he gets mad enough but you still love him even when he's tantruming you don't love that moment or how he's acting but you always will love him so he recognizes that, but that in that moment, you're not going to give him what he wants just because he's, you know, getting loud enough to give get that uh, reaction out of you. Okay, so as you're saying this, I'm like taking notes and I'm kind of thinking if um, he does, you know, with things that he's not supposed to, what would you say is a proper way of... Um, time out you know is that like spanking is that sitting him in a chair because well well i talked about it at the beginning i'm I'm just sorry to cut you off because the first segment today i talked about how uh, spanking is essentially never it's never the right thing to do and the american association of pediatrics has come out recently i think it might have been from a year ago but saying that spanking is never good and so um it's 
gonna hurt, it could even hurt brain development and the way they're gonna develop. It can damage his relationship with you. It can lead to a host of negative things and really doesn't do good anyway. So it, it can be frustrating when he doesn't do what you want him to do. But we have to also accept as a parent that he doesn't have to do what we want him to do, or we have to recognize that we have to show him why it might be good to do what we're saying to do, but that he's not supposed to just blindly listen to us and be obedient. And that if he's not, we have to spank him to get him to see that it was wrong. So I would really hope that you would take that to heart, that spanking him is just going to hurt him and hurt you and it's not going to help. And I know some parents will still tell you, you have to spank them sometimes. And if you don't, they don't get it, but it doesn't seem like it helps them quote unquote, get much other than hurt and hurts the relationship and doesn't lead to the, the behavior you're even hoping for. So if he does something you don't like, you can talk to him. You can communicate with him. Say we didn't like that. You can do timeout, not as a punishment so much as a time for him to calm down. That's unfortunately something that happened when timeouts became more popular or common was that parents thought, oh, it's a great form of punishment. You get five minutes time out in your room, mister, because you're a bad boy. But it's more actually, you know, it seems that you're so riled up that you need a few minutes to help calm down. So how about we take a time out even together? So it's not like I'm just going to banish you to your room and you have to be alone, but to help you calm down. And then let's see what we can do afterwards. So, uh, you know, he's sometimes going to do things you don't like. That's that's just part of him being two years old is he's going to do a lot of things you don't like and you work with him but punishment doesn't seem at all to help create behavior change in a positive way and you can help him recognize and have some consequences at times but not that he needs to be hurt to to learn from it so um there's no way to say this is how you get him to do what you want because he's not going to and he doesn't need to but yeah didn't mean to cut you off go ahead Oh, no, no, no. I'm so sorry. I kind of almost cut you off there. But I was just going to say for right now, what I do as far as like, you know, trying to correct a behavior is he has this little baby rocking chair. And I tell him, you know, like time out. And then I take him and I count, depending on how bad it was, like 35 seconds or 20 seconds or, you know, um, and I just kind of sit him down. But he thinks it's kind of a game. Yeah, well, that's the thing. And, you know, he's not, that's all, that's another part about punishment is like we think they get it sometimes. Like, I mean, not that they need to get it, but that they understand that he broke this rule. So the crime was this. And I know you said if he does something really bad, but at his age, I don't know. Like, you know, he's not doing like money laundering or something. Like, you know, he can't really do something so bad. He's, he's not even two years old. So when you say something really bad, I don't know what that even means. Like, I mean, he might do something you don't like and he might make him other kids yeah, or, you okay. know, things like that. And so we help him calm down. We tell him it's not good. But, you know, I, I think sometimes we also think, well, I want to punish him to show him I think what he did was wrong, especially in front of other parents. Sometimes parents can mm-hmm. feel this competition, not competition, but this pressure to be like, you know what, I'm going to show them that I think hitting is wrong by punishing my kids so harshly. And they see that I don't think this is OK. When really, I mean, if I see a kid hit another kid, I don't think it's good. But I don't think hurting that kid is going to help the situation anyway. So you can talk to them, say that, oh, that wasn't nice. Or depending on their age, you can talk to them about, oh, you know, it doesn't feel good to get hit. So when you hurt him, I know you're angry, but, you know, we can talk about how else you can show that. You know, there's ways you can communicate. But to think that I have to punish him so to make sure he learns how wrong it was usually doesn't again get that result of teaching them and just hurts them more right so let's say he Uh hits a kid and you hit him all that happens is that kid is crying and now your kid is crying too you know it doesn't really show him something so um Mm -hmm. i would just be aware of that and yeah like he might take it as a game which i'm okay with because i don't want you to hurt him so he seems to not feel the punishment in such a negative way 
Um, but we don't punishment usually doesn't get the kind of results that we want. Like even right now he's talking and let's say someone could think, oh, it's not good that he talks while we're trying to talk. But it, he's not even two years old. He doesn't get, oh, we're on a radio program uh -huh. and having a conversation. And he needs to not talk. So I understand that he doesn't get that. And that's that's OK. We, we don't want to punish him for doing something that we think is bad. Um, it, it's it's a lot harder to really get him to see that sometimes he might do something that hurts himself or that isn't good for him. But that's why I wanted to say when you said he does something really bad, I don't know what uh, a kid who's not even two can do that's so bad, you know? Yeah, I, I think it's just kind of like, as far as like really bad, I meant like if he hits a child knowing that he shouldn't because, you know, at this age, I, I know that there are things that he doesn't know, but he does know that like... Sure, when he's but every hitting, day, every day, shouldn't? yeah, every day you and I do things that we know we shouldn't or we could do something good that we don't do. But no, I, I don't yeah. think... I, no, I hope no one comes punches me in the face when I do something like, you know, kind of wrong or I could do better, you know? So it's that yeah. idea that the hitting doesn't help him. Uh, we think we have mm -hmm. to show him he did something wrong or he knows. And yeah, he's too, it's, even at our age, it's hard to, we know what's right and we sometimes don't do it. What do we think a, a two-year-old is going to be able to, to control those feelings and those, you know, impulses, you know? So mm -hmm. we have to be aware of that. That Yeah, he's going to do things all, he knows that hitting is wrong and that's the good thing is he's aware of it. And that's why we talk to him about, you know, sometimes we get angry and, and hit this age, not so much the verbalization won't go as far. You can still talk to him. You were so angry. You didn't know how to show it. But, you know, hitting isn't good. It hurts to hurt, hit the kid. Mm -hmm. And just like we don't want someone to hit us, we, we don't want to hit other kids, too. So you can talk to him about it, but be aware that he's going to always not always, but often do things that he'll know is not right. But we want to talk to him about the consequences and why it's not good rather than think, well, because he knew it was wrong and he didn't, he deserves a really bad punishment and that's somehow going to help him. Yeah. So I just want to like summarize what you just said this sure. last part because I think it's really important for me to like fully understand. But you're saying that the best form of discipline at this age is to really just have like verbal repetition as far as like this behavior is not acceptable. And then... Um, yeah, or you kind of show him why you think it was, was not okay. You know, I want us to, to give you a few minutes to wrap up. I went way over. Um, see, I did something bad too, but no, hopefully no one will hit me right now. But we're going to go to commercial <laughs> break, and I'm going to come back, and we'll, we'll wrap up a little bit, okay? Okay, Okay, great. all right. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delarqui. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Before the break, we're with the caller. Let's go back to her now. Caller, are you still there? Yes. Okay, all right. So I just wanted to give you a chance to wrap up. As I said, we were going uh -huh. far late into the, the segment, but um, you were saying you wanted to wrap up some of the things we, we were talking about, so I'll give you a chance if you wanted to finish up some of your thoughts there. Um, I guess for me, one of my thoughts is just going back to the food thing. Um, I'm going to, you know, try to become a little bit more aware of, like, his anxiety and my anxiety, mm -hmm, but in the mm -hmm. meantime, how do I provide a nutritional meal for him? Well, you know, that's something that um, I would definitely talk to the pediatrician more about because I'm not a medical doctor to say I know exactly what he needs to get into his body each day. Uh -huh. And so I would talk to the pediatrician, see, you know, when, when you tell him what he's eating, tell him or her what he's eating, and also um, see if they have any recommendations on what he might need more of. Um, but, you know, you mentioned something about power struggles and we can 
we can they're in a way inevitable that they start to creep in so there's going to be some level mm-hmm. of that but as a parent you want to reduce them as much as you can or minimize them as much as you can so we don't want to make food uh, one and it becomes a big one i see it so many families they feel this pressure that my kid's not eating enough, so they try to force them or do different things. And then it turns into this huge power struggle, and he's going to learn that this is a way I can have some control over mom because she's so stressed out about what I eat or I don't eat or how much I eat. And then you're going to, uh, you know, unconsciously even or even indirectly create a huge power dynamic with him. And so that's why I think it's so important for you to be aware of your anxiety mm-hmm. when it comes to his eating because if you are not you're going to pass it on to him either he'll be anxious about his eating or he'll use it as a way to try to control you or have power over you so you want to just you know he's going to be okay kids go through periods where they might eat just one type of food or certain types of food in general kids listen to their bodies if we don't interfere that's actually really what happens kids are very good at listening to their bodies and what they need but we put pressure on them and then they hear so many things and as they get older we get less in touch with our bodies and what it's telling us we need or don't need so uh the less pressure you put in the more you know giving him options is always good of healthy uh but tasty foods you know like you said even maybe he doesn't right now but fresh fruits and vegetables and have them there and sometimes you can try different things but he hasn't shown yet that he's a picky eater right now he's going through Uh a phase um but if that does become something you know then you can look into some things related to picky eating and how to help him and again a big part of it's helping you to not put mm-hmm. that pressure. Another thing that a lot of parents can feel is like this feeling of I'm a bad mom or a bad dad if my kid is not getting the right nutrition or the right foods. And that mm-hmm. can put an added pressure that I have to make sure he eats all these things or else I'm going to have a guilt that I'm being a bad mom. Um, okay. Where these things are much more complicated than that. You know, he can go through a phase, he might have his own issues or health concerns or whatever it might be that can contribute to that. And apparently he agrees with me because he's talking now. But, you know, they might have their own concerns that we have to be aware of that make it a little bit different that it's just you that's causing the problem. It's not that simple, you know. So don't feel that pressure. You go see the doctor Mm -hmm. on the the 19th and they say, oh, he didn't have enough fruits that you think it means you're a bad mom. It just means, you know, that's something that he's dealing with right now and you try to figure out how to make it better. Um, as far as, like, helping him with his anxiety, do you think it might be good for his dad and I to do, like, family things with him sometimes, or is that more confusing? Well, it can be. You know, you want to... It's so important for you guys to try to maintain a good relationship. Doesn't mean you guys have to love each other or want to be around each other. I wouldn't force it if it feels forced and you guys might even get on each other's nerves or there might be tension there. So mm-hmm. um, it would have to be something you both feel good about and that you feel it goes well rather than um, it's going to just create stress and so we want to pretend like we have these family interactions together. So it can be good if it's something that you guys can manage. I don't know. How, how are things between you and his father? Um, not very good. I okay. think we can be good, but I feel like his dad doesn't respect boundaries. So, well, so that's something. Yeah. So that's something that you you know, because of that, you want to also be careful the boundaries, how much you let him back in or let him in, because that can lead to issues, and then your son could pick up on that tension. So that's what I'm saying is if you guys, for some reason, just decided we can't be together because some things don't match, but we still have a pretty good relationship or can be good together, mm-hmm. that might be more okay. But to just kind of force these interactions to create this happy family feeling you're not going to give him that feeling if anything it's just going to 
stress him out more. So I'd rather he has good interactions with you and good interaction, good interactions with his father, rather than these forced family outings to give him this sense of something that really isn't there, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think I have a pretty good idea on like okay. how to try to go about, I mean, as far as like you can decide, but, um, with the discipline, I just kind of wanted to go over that just a little bit. Um, so I, the thing is, like, I feel like I do tell him verbally over and over that, you know, his behavior is not okay, or we don't, you know, we don't behave like this, or be gentle, be kind, you know, things like that, but it almost seems like he knows, but he does it anyway, and so mm-hmm. I, I feel like maybe sometimes verbally telling him isn't helping, and if that's the case, um, well, look, what do here, I do? Yeah, well, okay, so... Um, you know, that feeling that you have, I, a lot of parents and people can have that feeling, but we have to remember that our human behavior is much more complicated than I know this is bad, so I won't do it. As I said, every day we make decisions that either are unhealthy or we could have made a healthier decision or a better decision. All of us, even as grown ups. So let alone someone who's not even two, we should understand that he's going to do things that aren't good for him. He's going to make the same mistakes. He might know something is wrong, but he might do it anyway. He might feel so overwhelmed with feelings that he acts out on them in a way that isn't good. But adults do them too. Adults turn to drugs and alcohol. Adults get violent, you know, and we're grown-ups and we know they're wrong things. So try to take away this idea that I have to get him to see that something is wrong and the only way he's going to show me he knows that it's wrong is that he's never, ever going to do it again because that's just not going to happen. You can can get him to see that biting is wrong. He still might go bite a kid on the playground. You know, I I think I did it when I was a kid too and I don't really bite people anymore. You know, it's okay. Like I I got that it was wrong, but I couldn't hold in the feelings and let's say I bit someone or I hit someone, but it doesn't mean Mm -hmm. I don't get it and I'm going to be a violent person or I'm going to be a bad person. So I don't want you to think you have to right now instill in him this idea that hitting is wrong and the only way he can show you that he knows hitting is wrong is by never ever hitting a kid. That's just not a realistic expectation to put on him or on yourself that you have to find a way to get him to never do that. You know, that's just not how people work and especially not how a little child is going to work. So we have to just accept that he's going to do things that are not so good. And even this is another area where I would hope you look at yourself because the way you're talking about him, you might be a harsh parent to yourself in the way that you might punish yourself too much for making a mistake or telling yourself, oh, you knew better. Why did you do this again? And so you might notice the same type of internal dialogue you have with yourself. You'll put that out on him. And so my hope would be that you'd be even more loving to yourself. It doesn't mean if we do something bad, we say it's a good thing, but that we acknowledge that we're human and we're going to make mistakes and we're always trying to grow. And especially for your little child to give him that same feeling that he'll do things that aren't so good. He'll make mistakes. He'll do things wrong. But that's part of being a human and especially part of being a kid. Yeah. So take that pressure off yourself, both with him and yourself. Okay, mm. I'll do my best. Yeah, I, mean, I hope it's you just will. so challenging when you have a really high-pitched scream in your ear all day. Sure. I mean, that's, you know, look, yeah, I can, hear. yeah, it's very easy. You know, even when I hear it, I can imagine when it's, you know, when we're not on the phone and he's yelling and screaming, it's a lot easier than when I'm sitting here and I keep this the studio very cool so it's very nicely air conditioned and i'm comfortable it's very easy to say oh yeah when he screams just respond this way or be calm or do this i know it's really tough 
And so that's why it's good to to think about it and talk about it and reflect on it because it's a, it's going to be challenging and it's going to keep getting cha- more challenging in different ways. Um, but so you're, it's going to make you want to react and sometimes you're going to get it wrong. That's what I'm saying. I want you to also be forgiving of yourself and not be so hard mm-hmm. on yourself also because I can feel that in how you're talking about him. You probably do that to yourself. Of, oh, I know it's not good to get upset with him and I got upset with him. Even I talked to a psychologist today and I still did it today. You know, it, I don't want mm-hmm. you to have that type of relationship with yourself too first of all because it's going to hurt you but then it's also going to spill over into how you are interacting with him hmm. yeah sounds like i need to go get some therapy myself <laughs> i think it's a I, I think it's a great idea for everyone to go so i don't say that in the way that you need it as in it, you know something really bad is happening but i think it could always be helpful so if you you uh, are open to it i'd always recommend that for yourself and again it'll even help you be a, a better mom to him Yeah, Yeah, but it was very nice talking to you, and uh, happy birthday to that little guy in a few days. Thank you. Have a good rest of your day. Thank you, too. My pleasure. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, going into our last commercial break, you're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Lockley. We'll be right back. back so uh, to start the show i talked about a parenting issue spanking and then um talked to two parents about their kids different ages about 20 years apart actually and uh wanted to conclude just with some thoughts on parenting which to me is the most important and as is usually the case also the most challenging role that someone can have in their life and Because of that, uh, last week I talked about romantic relationships and how important it is to recognize that just because it's natural to be attracted to someone, um, it doesn't mean it's natural for us to create good and healthy relationships, that it actually does take work both on learning about ourselves, but also learning about relationships and what makes a healthy relationship in order to love someone in a good way and to create a healthy and happy, loving relationship. And similarly, it's a very natural desire and urge to want to become a parent and to have children, but it doesn't mean that we're naturally good at parenting or that parenting is going to be easy because somehow it's natural in that way. And with that mother I was talking to of the two-year-old, you could really feel how much she cared about her child and really wanted to be a good mom and had concerns and wasn't sure about so many things. And it's just another reminder to me of how hard of a job it is and how hard of a role it is to be a parent and to want to be a good parent. And her calling me makes me happy that she's trying to improve in her parenting or trying to figure out some questions she might have and also that she was considering going to therapy. I think that's wonderful too, um, as I said to her, to help herself feel better, but also it will help her be a better mom if she's feeling better and learning more about herself and exploring those issues. It can definitely help her be a better parent. So I was happy to see that mindset that she had. And so I hope we can all have that mindset when it comes to life in general, but especially the important roles in our life, being a partner and being a parent, that we need to think about how we can be the best that we can be. And then related to that, something I mentioned to her to me is very important. I like, uh, there's a, a concept that Winnicott had that was about the good enough mother. 
And in a way to paraphrase some of that, it's that you don't need to be a perfect mom in order to raise a healthy child and a healthy adult. You have to be good enough, meaning that you're going to make mistakes. You're going to get things wrong. You're going to do things that might even hurt your child. Um, but that can be okay. And even sometimes in some of those small mistakes you make, if they're small enough and they're not so big, and if you help try to repair them, um, you might actually help your child grow. And that being said, it definitely doesn't mean you need to intentionally inflict any harm on them. Sometimes people hear these things and say, oh, good, I'll do something that hurts my child and actually that's going to help them grow. No, actually, the truth is that you'll do enough things wrong anyway just by trying your best that you won't need to try to do things wrong. But this comes back to this idea that you will make mistakes, but that's okay. You need to be good enough. And that's why I like that term because it takes some of that pressure off from parents that we sometimes think, well, how could I hurt my child? Or I can't believe I did this. Or I can't believe I did that thing that hurt them. Or when they get older, they start to realize things and feel so bad about that and can be racked with guilt. And that can actually even ruin their relationship with their children now. But it's remembering that we have to try our best, but that even in our best, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to get things wrong. We're going to do things that might hurt our kids but that can be okay. So I just need to be good enough. I'm not going to be perfect. And my child can be okay even with me just being good enough. Now, at the same time, that being said, it doesn't mean that we should just take ourselves completely off the hook and say, well, because now I'm hearing this term good enough, I don't need to really try because it's going to be good enough for them. No, because we love them and because I hope we recognize it as the most important role we can have in someone's life, we're going to take it very seriously also. And that means that first and foremost, this is some of it similar to advice to when we get into a relationship or want to start a serious relationship. We first have to try to understand ourselves better. Uh, there's a book by Daniel Siegel, Parenting from the Inside Out, that I really enjoyed because it talked about this concept that we have to first understand our own childhood and what we went through and what we experienced as a child because consciously or unconsciously we're going to pass those things on to our child. If our parents were very strict and harsh on us, this is going to affect how we parent our kids. Or even sometimes things like sibling dynamics. If you were the youngest child and then now you're trying to resolve a conflict between your oldest and youngest child, this can affect the way you see that situation you might be unconsciously playing out things from your own childhood onto them that you are not aware of. And so we think that we're not going to be affected by things and we hope that we're better than that in some way, that we're somehow above that, but we're not. We're always going to be affected by our past. The only thing we can do is try to understand our past better to then limit the negative ways it impacts how we parent our children. So first and foremost, we have to understand ourselves and what we went through. Small things like how our parents interacted with each other, how they interacted with us, over time have a big effect in impacting who we become and how we are parents to our kids. And actually in that book I was mentioning, I think Daniel Siegel shares some stories of his own where he realized he was acting out some things from his childhood with his own kids and some kind of disputes over sharing food or something like that. And I remember the details, but I remember it was very nice to see him humbly share that he too was falling victim to this because of things that happened to him as a child. He was realizing he was taking that out or playing out that drama with his own kids. 
um, in how they were interacting. So we want to be aware of that. So first we have to look at ourselves, understand ourselves better, and and try to know ourselves so we know our weak spots, know what we went through and how that might affect us. Because then you have, let's say, uh, you felt like your younger sibling always got their way and you thought that was unfair, and then now you have your own kids and there's interaction between the oldest and the youngest. You can be aware of, you know what, I'm feeling like the younger one is being spoiled, but maybe that's because of what I went through. And so that awareness can at least allow you to have a perspective that might see it in a different way and might try to be a little bit closer to objective. We're never going to be purely objective, but knowing our own biases can help. So we first try to understand ourselves and that can be very helpful, but then also we do want to try to understand parenting itself better as a science or philosophy or the psychology of it. And there isn't some one recipe or blueprint that is exactly how you should parent every child because we do have to be aware that the child themselves plays a part in how we want to parent them or should parent them. And a lot of times parents who have multiple kids will say, well, I did this with my oldest and now I'm doing it with the middle one or the youngest one. And he or she is responding differently or bad. And it makes us think something is wrong with that kid. When it's not necessarily something is wrong with that kid, it just might mean that they might, they might need a different type of parenting from you. You can't parent all the kids exactly the same. Just like you might be preparing food for three people, you can't just say, well, one meal is the best meal for all three of them. They'll have different preferences, different levels of appetite and how much they want to eat, different things they like and dislike, different allergies that can affect what you make for each one to give them the best meal. So similarly, the best parenting is not going to be one exact thing for every single child. That being said, there are some general principles that can help guide you to be a better parent and to try to become the best parent for that kid that you can be, each of your individual children that can help you. For example, things about discipline. Um, talking to that, that mom recently, just a few minutes ago, um, a lot of parents still think that spanking is a good thing or we need to do it. But as I mentioned at the top of today's show, the research is showing us that no, uh, it doesn't help us achieve the results we think we're going to achieve by getting our kids to do this or to not do something. And also it can lead to damages to how their brain even develops, which can affect their memory and cognitive performance and even make them more aggressive. So it's not helping them, it's hurting them. But we might just think based on conventional wisdom or what people do or what we see people doing, that this is the right way to parent. But we have to make a little effort. You know, if you are going to a trip somewhere, you might research that destination. What are the fun things to do? What shouldn't you do? What are the main tourist attractions and all those things? But then sometimes when people are having kids, they don't even put that amount of time into taking on the most important role in their life. So you can be very excited to be a parent, but I hope that on top of that excitement and that desire comes the feeling of a responsibility that you need to put the work in even before you have a child to prepare yourself to become the best parent you can be. And as you're a parent, continuously try to learn both more about parenting, but also how things are going with your child to keep making sure you're doing everything you can to be the pe best parent that you can be. And also before you become a parent, it's not just about you alone, but if you hopefully have a co-parent, your husband, wife, or whoever the partner is, and you also talk before the child is born to make sure you're on the same page with each other. And even maybe you study things together or you go to parenting classes together. But to take this seriously 
And again, it's natural to want to be a parent and to create a child is very natural. But to be a good parent is not something that we just innately know how to do and are going to be good at without any effort or looking at how we can improve on that. So it's something we want to make sure we take seriously. Take seriously the child that you are going to get and take seriously your role and responsibility and duty to be the best parent you can be for that child. You have to be just good enough. You're never going to be perfect, but we should always be striving to be better and be the best parent we can be for all of our children. All right, that brings us to the end of today's show. Thank you to Farhuda here in the studio and also to all the listeners. Again, the book of the week is Everything is Blanked, a book about hope by Mark Manson. I'll be sharing that with you on Monday's show. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delokwi. Have a wonderful day. 